You're listening to the First Corinthians When Immaturity Meets Worldliness series preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that by your grace and your kindness we can know you, the true God. Our sins can be forgiven and we can be washed and made new. Father, we thank you for what we've heard this morning. We thank you that we can gather as a body of believers in, in safety this morning, as many of your people do not. Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of these blessings, that we would um, faithfully assemble together to exalt and lift up your name. Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the scripture that has been read. Um, Lord, they, they all line up this morning with our text about kindness. And Lord, we acknowledge today that it's because of your kindness your generosity, your goodwill toward us, that we are here. And Lord, this morning we need you, as I think of this congregation of just the needs that I know, let alone the needs that I have no idea of. Lord, we need you. And so, Spirit of God, I pray this morning that you would take your word, that you would direct it to the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, if there be one here that doesn't know you today, that they would see the goodness and the kindness of Jesus Christ through the sacrifice of Calvary. Lord, we love you. We ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll just read this morning, verses 4 through 7. We're going to pick up where we left off last year. You know, last year wasn't that long ago. Right? It's last year. Okay, verse number 4. Charity, or love, suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, endureth, I'm sorry, hopeth all things, endureth all things, and I don't have verse 8 on the wall, but charity never fails. Never fails. Let me just uh, extend a happy new year to you. I was gone for New Year's Eve. I was in Guatemala celebrating with our Guatemalan brethren and sisters. Um, And so then we came back the following week, and we showed you the the work from Guatemala. And so this, this week I get to officially say happy new year to you. New Year's is a great time. A time that I hope that you reevaluate this prior year, that you look at your own life, that maybe you make resolutions to say, these are some areas that I need to change or I'd like to change. I don't want to go back to this spot again, or I'd like to move forward. And let me just remind you this morning, as we gather together in this new year, that because of grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, um, his mercies are new every day. And the truth is that as I fall and stumble, and as you fall and stumble, when we repent and and when we believe and when we ask God's help with his spirit, um, we get a fresh start every day. It's an amazing thing. that because of God's grace, every day is new for us. And Paul here in 1 Corinthians 13 gives us this wonderful backdrop that we now can compare our life's with, as we begin this year, with the characteristics of love, especially 
in the body of Christ. You're fully aware, I know, that the church of Corinth was a church of problems. They were confused with worship. They were confused uh, with their gifting. They had issues with division. There were folks in the church that believed they were prominent, and they had status, and don't you know who I am, and causing real trouble in Corinth. And so Paul writes this chapter to remind them that this body is to function together, and the way that the body of Christ, the church, functions together, it's all about love. And it's not just this elastic love that we think of, like, I love my wife, I love my dog, I love chocolate, right? It is God's love. It is this agape love, agape, agape, this, this, this selfless, serving, lavishing love on the unlovely and undeserving. And that all rhymes. Isn't that cool? If I was a rapper, I would just sort of bust a rhyme right here. It is, it is selfless, serving, lavishing love on the unlovely and undeserving. This is the love that sees the needs and concerns of other people and then takes those needs and concerns and makes them its own. And this is the only love that is capable of taking an otherwise greedy, selfish, empty, competitive group of people, the church, and transforming them in to a place where there is encouragement, edification, kindness, and love. It's, it's the manifestation of God. It's what this is all about. It, it, it is authentic Christianity. And I don't know about you, but I don't want anything that's not authentic. I want the real deal. And so we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we see, as we said in the past, that this list, um, we, we cannot separate this list from our Savior, the life and work of Jesus Christ. As we think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, certainly he is long-suffering, certainly he is kind, certainly he is patient, certainly he despises evil, certainly he is the one who rejoices in truth, he is fair, and all of those things That's our Savior this morning as we see him for who he is. He is love incarnate. We see it his entire life as we read the Gospels. He dealt with so many different kinds of people and yet expresses love to them. And sometimes in a way that might seem harsh, but it's love, their best interest in mind. Just thinking this week about our communion service. It's a time in our church we don't just tack on communion. We don't just sort of, you know, add it at the end or slip it in there. It's, a, it's an entire service. We, we think it's important because it's a time for the body to come together and remember our Lord. And just think about our Lord in the last few hours of his life. I mean, here he is, and, and, and they make this crown of thorns, and they, they place it on his head, and then they beat his head with a rod. I mean, over and over again, not just the pain, but the humiliation. And then they smack him in the face. Ever been smacked in the face? Yeah, okay, I won't ask any more questions on that one. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. I'll be talking to your parents later. 
Yeah, smacked in the face. It's humiliating. It's degrading. He was spit upon. I don't know. There's some vile things you can do to people. I've been spit on before. It's vile. It is. I mean, you want to get your blood pumping that you want to hurt somebody? Be spit upon. He was scourged and beaten. And in the midst of this excruciating ordeal, from the cross he looks down and says, Mary, behold your son. John's going to take care of you. In the midst of his agony, he loves his mother enough to make sure she's cared for. And then, the miracle of all miracles, that while he's on the cross, the very people who hated him, who abused him, who were killing him, he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. That's our Savior. And you know, I have to be honest, when I, when I think of these things, I think to myself, how much unlike Jesus I am. Right? This was our Savior. And my prayer is that as we enter this new year, that this would be the year that we, we sort of grow up Ephesians talks about this, where where Paul says his prayer is that that we would grow in the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. And and let me encourage you this morning as we sort of reflect on, of course, this new year, but but this text, that that this would be the year that, that all of us in this body of believers would grow up a little bit into the fullness and stature of Christ. Christian, aren't you tired of the same old, same old? I think about what the Lord said to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3. He says this, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Forty years you've been circling around here. And he says, Now turn, go northward. And I think for many of us, We have been the same for such a long time. And we look at this backdrop of love in 1 Corinthians, and we know it's it's just we're so far from these things. And may I encourage you this morning not to just hear the message, but to hear with your heart and allow the Spirit to speak to you and say, okay, wait a minute, may this be the year that as a Christian man, a Christian woman, a Christian young person, I would truly, in a profound way, be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the goal. This is what we're talking about. This is the love that that the church needs. And this is not a love that um, it just feels kind. It feels patient. It feels for you. This is a love of action. All of these words, are they're active. We do these things. It's love. And this is the love that we're talking about in 1 Corinthians that is supposed to be our lives, our expressions, our disposition, our everyday involvement with one another and those around us. And so we began this chapter 
at least this list, in verse number four, charity suffers long. And the idea there is it's patient. Now, now it is, it's not just being patient, waiting in line for your Starbucks coffee, okay? We're in Guatemala, and, um, and, and so for birthdays and Christmas and stuff, Kim and I don't do stuff really for one another. We just have this little collection that we have, and, and we collect Starbucks cups from different places we've been, all right? I know it's weird, and you might not like it, but it's what we do, okay? And so... We have them from, the Canada one's really cool, and we have them from Ohio and St. Louis and, and all over the place from Poland. And so I said, when I go to Guatemala, I'm going to see if they can have these, these Guatemalan coffee cups from Starbucks. And so I, I asked Fernando, I said, hey, do you have a Starbucks here? He said, yeah, but only stupid people go there. <laughs> so I said, all right, I, I, I just asking. I just, I don't, I, I agree. Okay. It's humiliating. And um, so it's, it's not that I'm waiting for my drink and I hope they say my name right. And all. It's not that. It is, it is long-suffering with people. With people. It's when I am harmed by someone. I'm injured, whether in words or actions. And it's within my power to retaliate. I can get them back. I know how to get them back. I know the buttons to push. And yet, this love, especially in the context of the church, says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to suffer long. I'm going to let it go. I won't start singing a Disney song right now, but I'm going to let it go. Let it go. And that's the idea of this love. Um, Now listen to me. As we go through this list, I promise you, if you're listening at all, these descriptions of love for what they really are, when we look at them, they will smack us in the face. They will. And in those moments, let me remind you what we said several weeks ago. In those moments, you have to make sure that you see your impatience, I see my impatience for what it is. It's sin. We're commanded by God to be patient with all men. And so it's not just, oh, this is just the way I am. This is, no, no, no. Some of us, well, I'll talk about this later. We'll get there later. Okay, so it's sin. It's sin. Don't minimize it. This sin of impatience, we're going to talk about kindness today, um, It is the very reason that Christ went to the cross. When you and I sit and we make excuses for for why I'm this way and why I said this and why I did this, and it's okay because God knows I'm special, listen to me, it's for those very sins that Jesus Christ hung, nailed to a cross. Our sins were nailed to that cross. Then we have to acknowledge in this process, like we said before, that this behavior is inconsistent with the person I am today. If you are born again, if you are saved, you're not what you used to be. The old man, the old woman, they're dead. I'm alive in Christ. And and the behavior that I express that's not loving, truly in the sense of the word, is contrary to the person I'm called to be. We, we as believers are living inconsistent lives. 
I'm a child of the king. I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm redeemed, justified, cleansed, forgiven. The spirit of God is within me, but I can't try to practice patience and kindness and humility. It's inconsistent. And then I must attack it. I must make sure that I kill this flesh. I say no. I stop. I renew my mind. I put on the new man. I ask God for his help and his strength. And so remember that as we go through this list, patience is just the beginning. The next one is kindness. He says in verse 4, charity suffers long, patient, and is kind. It is kind. It shows undeserved generosity. This kindness, now listen to me, is useful it serves, it is active good will. And, and remember now, okay, this chapter is written to a church, the church of Corinth. And, and, and these people, as we've read already in the first 12 chapters, these people were anything but patient and anything but kind, and certainly they were arrogant. The Corinthians knew how to make the poor feel out of place. They did it quite well. They'd have communion, and they would sit in the dining room, and the poor would sit in the courtyard, and they would be taken care of if there was anything left. This is what the church did that Paul is writing to. Um, they knew how to make those who were less gifted feel inadequate. My gift is Prophecy, my gift is healing, my gift is tongues, and your gift doesn't matter. The truth is, we don't even need your gift. You're like a wart on our hand that should be removed. It's the Corinthian church. They had a problem with arrogance and pride, and so Paul comes along and says, wait a minute, let me tell you how the church works. It's love. It's being patient and being kind. And it's amazing that this is a natural partner, kindness, to patience, because it actively seeks the good, especially of those who irritate you. Hey, let me ask you a question. Anybody in this church irritate you? Can I see your hands? Oh, wow, that was quick, brother. That was, supposed to just do this like, eh, I don't know, but this is like, yes. Yeah, they do. Do I? I want to, yes, we irritate one another. It's part of humanity. We do. And this kindness says, wait a minute. In spite of your irritation, you being the irritant or being irritated, I will act in a way that is kind and generous toward you. This kindness um, is, is linked with forgiveness and compassion. You know Ephesians 4.32? Be kind one to another. Kind, useful, active goodwill, serviceable. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Again, not only did Jesus act this way, but I want you to understand something this morning. God has acted in kindness towards you. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, is an interesting verse. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, which would keep us busy for the rest of our lives. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. Okay? Why? Why do this? Because he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Listen to me. 
Do you want to know this morning who the unthankful and who the, un- the evil are? Do you want to take a guess at that? You're right. Us. We are the unthankful. We are the evil. And yet, in his kindness, while we were enemy combatants of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is our God. His kindness. And this act of kindness, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, will be displayed throughout all eternity. Look at That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. You want evidence of God's kindness? Here it is. Forever you, if you're saved, and I will walk in glory because of his kindness through Christ. That's the Lord that we serve. He is kind. He is just. He is holy. Kindness. This is what God commands us this morning. This undeserved generosity. It is useful. It is serving. It is active goodwill. Can I, can I just tell you just a, a side product of this? Do you know when I'm serious about this, this kind of kindness, when it's active in my life, it delivers me from selfishness. Can I tell you something this morning? You're selfish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm selfish. We are all selfish. The first person we think about in the morning is ourself. We, we, we are so consumed. We live in a world today that is consumed. Selfies. We had a big discussion in Guatemala about duck faces, and we came to this. We, this has been the conclusion forever. There's not a woman on the planet that looks good making a duck face. Amen? Oh, that's good. One man was, was bold enough to say amen. It's true. Quit making those faces. We're consumed with ourselves. And so this kindness, when I say, listen, it's not about me anymore. It's about active service. It delivers me from that self-centeredness that we, it's, just, it's just part of us. But listen to me. Not only that. Can I tell you something? This kindness, this active, useful service, this active goodwill, is capable of breaking the cycle of resentment, anger, and vengeful retaliation. Some of you folks, you have grown up in homes that have been dysfunctional. The sad truth is we're living in a world where more and more people are growing up in dysfunctional homes. I was at a wedding years, not a wedding, I'm sorry, I get these confused, wedding funeral. It was a funeral. And, um, I do that often. I don't know why I do that. There's times I say a wedding and a funeral comes out. It's not a Freudian slip or anything. It just, it just happened. Okay, so it, was a, it was a funeral. It was, my, it was my, my cousin's funeral in Cleveland. He was murdered. And I was there to go to this funeral. And um, I don't know. A couple of boys were with me. I think it may have been David and Greg. I'm not sure. Maybe it was AJ. But, but I was driving with my aunt. And in my family, we have dysfunction. Not, not Kim and the boys and I. But the extended family, we have, well, we may have a little bit of dysfunction, but, but real dysfunction. And um, so we're driving to the funeral, we get in there, my cousin has been murdered. So we're going to, you know, go with the family. 
And we're there for a few minutes, and my aunt says to me, I've got to leave because her brother showed up, and they have been feuding now for 40 years. Right? I think they sued each other back then, is what they did, which is really a nice family kind of activity. Right? There's crazy people out there. You know what I'm talking about. And they could not even be in the same room because of this dysfunction, this cycle of resentment and anger and retaliation. And it goes on and on and on. And what I'm telling you is this. This kindness can break all of that nonsense. All of it. And some of you sit here and say, oh, wait a minute. I tried that one time. And it didn't work. Okay, let me help you with two ideas then, for those of you who are skeptical with what I just said. You said, I, I tried it one time, it doesn't work. Here, here's the first thing I'd say to you. Number one, do you know that Christian people do right because it's right to do, period? We're not supposed to be pragmatic. We say, well, I'm going to do right, and I know I'm going to be blessed for it. Can I tell you something? Sometimes doing right, oftentimes doing right in a broken and fallen world will be trouble. Sometimes, when I obey God because it's right to do, there will be consequences. Can I tell you something? We have brothers and sisters today, throughout the world, who will do right by professing the name of Christ, and they will die. We do right because God has told us to do right, period. It pleases him, and and regardless of the consequences, I will do it. But here's the second thing. When I decide by God's grace that I'm going to act in a, in a way of kindness where I'm going, to give, I'm going to give and be useful and serviceable to those who don't deserve it, can I tell you something? The cycle is broken. It's broken in you. You don't have to go back there anymore. You don't have to be that way. You can let that go. Because kindness will break that cycle in your own life. I worry about some of you. You wear your past life like a badge. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's just the way I am. Well, that's a problem. Our family's always been like that. That's a problem. Because you've been saved. You've been purchased. You have been redeemed. You've been washed by the blood of Christ. The Spirit of God lives within you. This love of Christ is in us. And all we have to do is say, okay, God, live your life out through me. That's a problem. And so some of you say, I tried that once. It doesn't work. Let me tell you something. One time's never going to work. And the truth is I do right because it's right to do. And it will break the cycle in your own life. But there's a second group in here this morning that you're skeptical. And you say, you know what? And you're real honest. You're, you're on my camp. This is my problem. They don't deserve kindness. Pastor Rick, if you knew what they said to me or what they did to me, and I'm talking about even in the church, they don't deserve kindness. How many folks, you know the movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life? You know that movie. Okay, how many people you like that movie? Okay, you're weird. Um, (laughs) That movie is the most, okay, you're not weird, it's just my preference, but for me, it's the most depressing movie in the world. It makes me depressed. We have to watch it every year. 
Jimmy Stewart, yeah, you know, going on and on about, yeah, Mr. Potter. And it just, it's depressing. That was a poor Mr. Potter, I know, but you get the, you get the gist. But it's depressing. I, I always hate it. And here's the other reason I hate the movie. Because in the end, Mr. Potter gets off scot-free. Do you hate it for that, too, who just said that? Or you amen because he gets off? Yeah, don't you hate that? No one ever knows that Mr. Potter took the money, he destroyed the family, and he gets off scot-free. I hate it. I hate it. I want them to find Mr. Potter and beat the tar out of him in the streets and get the money back and give it to the family because he doesn't deserve anything. Right? Now let me tell you people two things. Number one, there is a God in heaven who will judge every living soul. And we see stuff sometimes and think, that guy's getting away with murder. Mr. Potter got away with all the money. Can I tell you something? Nobody's getting away with anything. There is coming a day when the heavens and earth will flee from his presence. And the king of the universe will sit and judge all of mankind. And those who are washed by the blood of Christ will be safe. And those who are not, the books will be opened. No one's getting away with anything. Anything. And number two, for those of us who love justice and want to see people pay, and they don't deserve it, may I remind you this morning that you and I are the unthankful and the wicked, and we deserve nothing as well. Well, we do deserve something. It's called judgment. We are sinners. We are rebels. We have sinned against God. And we don't deserve the least of his grace, and yet he lavishes it upon his children. Do you see what I'm getting at? The fact is, when I understand the gospel of Christ and what's been done for me, to me, and through me, how can I not then act in kindness toward my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can I not do this in the broken and fallen world that I live in. That's kindness this morning. So, do you want to be like Jesus? You've got to be kind. You've got to be kind. Active goodwill. To be useful. To serve. To be generous. We can do this in the church. Uh, several years, not, it's been longer than that now. It's, it's probably been 15, no, it's been 20 years ago. I used to be a youth pastor in Bridgeport, and we had a, a big youth group, about 100 kids, a church of 1,500 people. And, and there was a Sunday that um, the pastor there preached a message like this about, hey, do good to people that hurt you, do good to people that despise you and resent, that you resent them, and, you've had, and all these things. Like, so here's what he wanted to do as a church. Next week, I want everybody, if, if someone's hurt you or harmed you or you have ill feelings, go buy them a gift and give it to them next week. And the following week, I had like, I don't know, dozens of parents come to me and give me gifts. <laughs> I, I didn't know if that was, thanks, you've hated me this whole time, I've ruined your families, all right? Um, this is terrible, it's terrible, it's like, thanks. Um, 
I'm not telling you to do that this morning, but what I am telling you is this. In the body of Christ, we are to be kind. How many folks had your driveway shoveled sometime this week by someone you didn't know? Raise your hand. Right. Can I tell you what that was? It was kindness. It was our youth group. It was a great activity. It, it, it's, it's saying, I love you to serve you. That's how the church operates. That's what the church is supposed to do. And I'm glad that our young people can experience that, the joy and the obedience of being kind to people in the church. You and I can do this. You must do this. We must do this. Hey, if in your neighborhood you have some older folks that you know struggle in the wintertime, then the next time it snows, grab your kids and make an activity out of it and go shovel their driveway for them. It's not just a blessing for them. It's a blessing for you. When we serve, when we are actively kind, we mimic our Savior. You can do that. Hey, there are people in this church, and, and you know they're struggling financially. And, and, and you know it. Then why don't you grab a 20 or a 50 or a 100 and shake their hands with it and leave it there? Or give me the money. No, no, it's not. No. And I will give it to them. Right? Go make somebody a meal. Let you know that they've had a hard week. Go watch their kids. Go be kind. Practice it in this body of believers. This is a love that transforms the church into what it's supposed to be. Not a group of selfish, empty, you know, arrogant, who cares, but a community that really loves each other, and they love each other by actions. Not just words. Be kind in this place. But let me caution you. Some of you folks, you have this kindness thing down in church, but you don't have it at home. And that's a problem. That's called hypocrisy. And our kids see it, and they know it. It's like, oh, yeah, you're nice to so-and-so at church, but you treat mom like garbage. Or you're nice to the youth pastor, but you're smart off to your parents. Listen to me. There's a false dichotomy there. You should be kind at home and kind in church. And there are things in your home that can be useful and serviceable. And I can't give you everything you ought to do, but I have a hunch that you know most things that you should be doing. Teenagers, you should clean your stinking room. Really. And if it's that bad, get a bulldozer and just scrape it all out. But do it for your parents. Put your laundry away. Put your dishes away. After dinner, help take down the table and red up the dishes or whatever you call it. But do something kind. You can get up with the kids in the, e- in the middle of the night for your spouse once. It's not going to kill you. You might find a blessing in it, actually. And it goes both ways, guys and girls, right? You can switch these around any way you want to. You can change a diaper. You can vacuum. That's love. That's kindness. That's being useful and serviceable. We can do this, 
And already right now, in your heads, run around these things like, oh, brother, I'm going to have to do this now. Well, just do it, man. And do it with joy. And remember that God has been kind to you. And then this should sort of just mushroom out into our places of work and community. If I went to your place of work tomorrow morning, and I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm the pastor of Maple City, and um, our elders do a little survey, and we're just interested in, in your worker here to go to our church. What kind of person are they? Would you consider them kind, like useful and serviceable? Or are they mean and cantankerous and selfish and cold as ice? What would they say about you? Listen, if Friday they would have said that, you make sure on Monday they don't. You're not just representing this church, Maple City. In the big picture, this means you're representing Christ. And by this one thing, shall all men know you're my disciples, that you love one another. And that love just naturally grows from there. So, on the backdrop now of love, patient and now kind, where are we at? And I would say to most of us this morning, we ought to be doing some repenting today and confessing and surrendering and saying, Lord, here I am. I've been blowing it here, but I've circled this mountain way too long. It's time to move northward. And in so doing, listen to me, when we act like this, patient, kind, glorifies our Father. There's something about making your parents proud. It doesn't matter how old you are. There's something innate within us that we want to please, even if our parents were just derelicts. We want to please them. And how much more for God's children in his kindness and goodness and long-suffering and patience with us when we act like this we please our Father. He is glorified. People quit looking at us because they know what kind of rascals we are. They see the change in our life and say something's going on there. It must be a God thing. And then it brings glory to our older brother and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we're into this new year, let me challenge you to be honest with yourself. I'll be honest with myself. Are we like our Savior? Patience and kindness. And if not, it's time to confess it as sin, to see it for what it is, to acknowledge how inconsistent it is with, with who we are now, and by God's grace to put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of our mind through the word of God, and put on the new man, allow Christ to live through us so that he can be glorified. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.